It's time for the Full Out Cheer Podcast, brought to you by Dream Camps. Discussing all things cheerleading with some of the best industry influencers in the world. Welcome, welcome. This is Dan Cotton, and you are listening to the Full Out Cheer Podcast. I've been lucky enough to work with some of the best in the cheerleading industry over my years owning and operating Dream Camps. I realized I learned so much just sitting and listening to my staff talk that I wanted to share that experience with the rest of the cheerleading world. So I set out to sit down with my staff and do that. Just talk. So without further delay, let's get to it. This is uh, Dan Cotton here with uh, Dream Camps, and I am really excited to be sitting down with uh, Derek, aka Twist. And his buddy, Frank, who I'm just starting to get to know. Um, so, Frank, since I don't know you that well, uh, we'll start with you. Uh, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us kind of what, what you do in the cheerleading world? Um, all right. Well, starting off, I'm Frank. My last name is Barnett. I've been in the cheer industry for, I couldn't even tell you, probably about 20 years now. And uh, started out just all-star cheerleading. And currently, I am running a tumble facility that my buddy and I are kind of like trying to do something new, whole concept, kind of like an open gym concept. And uh, we do our lessons from there. And we have recreational classes that we're trying to structure that are kind of just like a, kind of like a non-competitive feel. You don't really have to do too much, but majority of our clientele is competitive all-star athletes. So I would say what we're doing and cheerleading would be kind of just offering a place for people to come get extra practice. Okay. So that's awesome. about it. And uh twist, what are, what are you up to these days? Um, honestly, man, traveling, sitting very busy in the gym. Uh, I actually just came back from Jersey Did it came up there with all-star one. Um, honestly, man, I'm, this is like my mentor right here. So I'm kind of like kind of follow the same path as him. Trying to figure out something to do different in cheerleading. Um, I don't know. And But you're currently at Cheer Extreme? Uh, absolutely. Right now, yes. I'm the Tony Director at Cheer Extreme. Okay. Uh, I've been there for 16 years, I believe. I started there in 2007. I was on Code Elite from 2007 until 2012. Um, I've been tumbling for about 23 years now. Yeah, I started when I was three. I think I got into cheerleading when I was in the fourth grade. Like, I was like outside flipping, running around trees, doing backflips, all stuff. And like, this girl was like, hey, you can come do cheerleading. I was like, uh, I think that's kind of cheesy. I think that's just for the girls. You know, she was like, no, 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 no. Like, you know that big spring floor that you always talk about? Like, you know, you like watch gymnastics, da 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 da. And I was like, yeah. She was like, we have one of those. And I was like, well, maybe I'll give it a shot, you know? So, Ever since then, I just kind of took it and ran with it, you know. So nice. I feel like that's how they all get us. It's like the trap. It, it is the trap. The, the bouncy stuff, the foam pits, tumble tracks, sold. So I think that that's that's the fun thing about the open gym concept is we offer that to people that may not want to do cheer initially. But I think that just that kind of uh, in between place to come try something new makes it possible for people to like get into cheerleading if they choose to, if they actually get good at tumbling. So, and now did you ever coach teams? Uh, I didn't coach like specific teams, but I've always worked at cheer extreme. That's kind of where I was home base before in cheer extreme Raleigh before that was other small programs. Um, some of them were larger than others. That's where I learned a lot of the recreational tumbling, but at cheer extreme, I learned the kind of elite 
coaching perspective that that's been really fun and and training at a high intensity and uh fast-paced environment just tons of different talent from different ages and different sizes and just really really fun stuff so um i coached with uh small seniors two of the years that they won back-to-back world championships so really really fun stuff really cool group of athletes and it's really cool to work with like kids that already have talent and then you're not really coaching skills you're coaching a more respectful mindset and how to do your tumbling under you know stressful conditions if they've never done it before a lot of good tumblers weren't really at like world contending teams before so trying to like help them bring themselves to a place where they feel like they can compete in that atmosphere so just fun stuff and if you want to be really honest, like, I don't think I've ever really liked cheerleading. I think it was just a good outlet for me to tumble, you know? Exactly. Like, I was affiliated with the group Powerhouse Tumblers, you know? So okay. it was nothing that came down with cheerleading. We always went to tumbling events, like for cheerleading events, and we would always do like the little halftime shows, and we would get like two minutes and 30 seconds to do whatever we wanted to do. But I don't think I ever like actually like cheerleading. Like it's just strictly tumbling for me, just the raw skill of it, you know? And like you said, just getting to work with like the best of the best athletes. And sometimes that can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing, depending on who they are, you know? So, um, yeah. So favorite level to work with in tumbling. I, and I'm, I'm going to gear it more towards cheer because most of our listeners Absolutely. are probably cheer people. Absolutely. So, and, and if you don't have one, you don't have one, but I would say more, not level age level would be more for me anywhere from eight to 13. 8 to 13. They grind out the hardest. They, they're they motivated to be in the gym more. Once you get a little bit older, you reach to a peak where you feel like you just, I don't know, not, not that you don't want to try, you just feel like it's just, it's not there for you anymore, you know? There's other things you can involve with as far as like high school activities and, I don't know, you screw up. So, I think, like, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I feel the same way as far as like the age group. Uh, that would be the age group to work with. Um, now, as far as skill set, it's really, really tough to say because I believe especially in my job now that entry level tumbling is the most fun. Cause that's when you see them light up mm-hmm. the most. And yeah. it's like, you're, you're teaching not necessarily the basic skills, but you're teaching the skills that mean the most to them at that time. Cause I've had people that are entry level tumblers that get a back handspring in a couple sessions. And then I've got entry level tumblers that have worked, you know, a handstand and they're just proud to have like the strength and stability to be able to show you a little bit more time in their handstand or, or better body position. So uh, I would say level one, slash entry level tumbling is just as exciting as coaching some of the best athletes, you know, like the, the highest level tumbling. Yeah. So, cause there, there's a point in time and all of us tumbling coaches should be able to agree that when you get to your double full and you're working like double whip double, it's not really training the skills. It's like conditioning the athlete to want to be able to do that if they can, you know? Mm-hmm. So mind over matter at that point. Yeah. Once you have all the skills. So I, I say it's a, it's a very fun balance to say that like, Elite tumbling is just as much fun to coach as basic tumbling because you know that basic tumbler eventually is going to like continue with you or continue and you get to watch their growth and you get to mold the tumbler you want to work with. So, totally. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I, kind of with what you were saying, like entry level, like there's nothing cooler than that kid who gets their first back handspring, mm-hmm. but that kid who gets their double fold, they're like, all right, well, I, now I need my whip double or I max out. It's like a next, next skill, next skill. Yeah. Sometimes those, those kids end up aging out at the age of 15 and 16 anyway, you know, mm-hmm. just because they reached that peak. So I think slower progressions nowadays is definitely like the way to go. 
Now I will say, just to keep a cap off, you know, you want to cap off the, the progression on how fast they move. So if they move too fast, they do, Absolutely. you know, burn out too quick. I do agree. So with that same thing, if if you went from level one being just as fun, I think there's a a, a missed group of athletes, and it's that level four. You know what I mean? Because they kind of get not well, stuck there. People don't like watching layouts, but layouts. I love huge, level four. But it's like a huge necessity to have a layout. Yeah, you know? that's where you learn all your transitional yeah. value. Also, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Your punch front step out if you're doing it properly. Uh, whip transitions, which is a, a huge debate, like whether you should be working whips and layouts at the same time. I think if you have great athletes and you're trying to help them maximize their skill set i think it's naive to wait until they're working on a full to teach someone to whip you know you need to have like a whip through to lay out that you can compete or mm -hmm. a whip that you can bound from yep. so yeah I'm, i love level four it's actually my i coach level six and i coach level four and there I, you go. I honestly think level four is my favorite level um and I kind of for those reasons, like you're learning it's all those transitions. The There's more shapes on level four. Oh, you know, so many. Every, yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely more shapes. They introduce um, more tumbling so fast from level three to level four. You know what I mean? If you think about it like that, too, from standing tucks to the whip stuff. And I'm probably far away from that. Yeah, so I'm sorry about that. But and you speak a little, you, you're very, um, very calm. Soft spoken is what I hear a lot. And it's hard because I coach at this pace and i try to like i prep people with that that i just i'm probably gonna be the littlest voice you hear but just try to listen you know what i mean i have a lot to say but i can't projecting is so hard for me i've just never been a big talker like, <laughs> like just a big loud person like i enjoy talking but i just don't i don't project hard it's not in there yeah you seem very metered yeah that's it that's my it's, it's just smooth no yeah just metered just like yeah, yeah, yeah. calm just there right. Well, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. That's a good thing. I I, I joke and say all the time, I wish if I had like one of those Shanti things and I was coaching on the big speakers at all times, I'd have attention better. But I want to say the, the group of girls we're working with now, they're doing their very best at like looking me in the face and making sure they pick the words up and they respond and they say thank you. And it's, it's really nice working in an atmosphere where... Um, it's a little bit different from home because you work with the same athletes all the time and they kind of are used to your, your routine of coaching, you know, and other people aren't really, yep. they just pick it up and yep. they love it. And it just makes you feel great. It makes you feel like you're doing the right thing. So that's yep. what, that's what we're doing for the industry right now. We're, we're, I don't know. So I think you guys are in a really cool spot in the industry. And, and I think that I've, I've talked about this with a couple other people on other episodes about how, um, how the tumbling side of the cheer industry has become very open and like collaborative. Like there's a lot of smart people putting out good information, um, good drills for free. I mean, for free, you know, yeah. it started with Debbie, I mm -hmm. think with the, for love, a tumbling website. And then it just kind of like grew. And now you've got guys like Sean Guzman posting you know, drills all the time and Roman posting drills all the time. And a lot of people just sharing really good information. Um, I think a lot of that is from injury prevention. Yeah. Uh, just because you have like a lot of tumble coaches nowadays that are 17, 18 year olds, they've never been through like an actual real tumbling. I guess you can say maybe not even a tumble class, but like actually been through like tumbling coaches like us that's mm -hmm. kind of them through <laughs> what they needed to talk to actually do what they need to be doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. So, like, I mean, 
just like you said earlier today when we were coaching the guys from Dreams, like how they got doubles, ripping off the ground, you know, torn ACLs, all that stuff, you know, like maybe their coaches have never done a double fall ever in their life, or maybe their coaches have never spotted a double fall in their life, you know. Or seen an injury that comes from doing it the wrong way. So I think it's pretty cool those guys put out all those tone videos. Even me, I watch some of those videos and I use some of those drills for myself, you know. I watch a good bit of them. I think think all of it's very vital. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to learn from everyone, you know, if everyone's going to offer something. I just think it's so cool how the tumbling side of this industry has started industry has started to become very collaborative and like it's not like people holding things back it's like everyone's kind of willing to share of hey this is how how to train these skills and these are good ideas ways to shape or injury prevention I mean all that stuff it's just I don't know. It's cool. And it's, it's I mean, from a, judge, a judge's point of view as well. It looks good to have uniformity across the board. Yeah. If everyone looks the same and it's just easier to judge, you know, and this just comes down to who hit the stunt the best or who dropped their stunt or who jumped the hardest, et cetera. You know? Yeah. So. I almost look at it as like, uh, it's like SoundCloud now because people will put out their own version of the way that they think the music should sound. And I respect that a lot. And, uh, it's not just like SoundCloud or anything. It's, it's, I think that coaches are doing that and they're putting out their version of the way that they've taught a skill. If, if someone said, Hey, you know, your team does great stuff. I mean, there's really like a bunch of coaches that are at the tip of my tongue, you know, that actually are putting out the material and their tumbling program has the skills to show for it. You know what I mean? They have the clean body lines and they've got like the good scores in their tumbling section. So I think that for those coaches that are putting it out and giving out the free material, I think that's awesome. You know, I think that's, yeah, it's, it is crazy. And it is, uh, it's nice to see that people are a little bit more confident in their coaching ability to where they're like, Hey, if you like what I'm doing out here, this is what I'm doing. And, and people aren't losing lessons because of it. And people no. aren't not showing up to tumble class because of it. It's just kind of like, I don't know. It's like YouTube, right? You can YouTube anything and check it out, you know? And if you have a good friend, that's part of like the tumble coaching network, it's not hard to find you know, them out there. It's like injury prevention. Like no one wants double fools to get taken out of all-star cheerleading. You know, like, Seriously. If that happens, then Mm-mm. everything just goes to hell. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, you're fine. I think that's a no, safe word. No, but everything just goes to hell. So I think that's just really awesome. They, they do that. So I need to start doing it more myself, actually. I have some cool stuff. Yeah, you do. You know, so That's my favorite thing about camps is, and I'm, it sucks because I'm in rotations, this one, but I learned so much from all the people that come in. I'm like, Oh, that's genius. Oh, that's amazing. Um, cause you guys all have such different, similar approaches, but different approaches, you know? And it's like all different, different ways to get to the same result, which is high quality tumbling skills perform safely. Yeah. Um, so running a tumbling only facility, not cheer <laughs> related. Um, can you tell us more what that's like? I mean, Uh, and transitioning like how that went for you i think that the thing that i talk about the most is probably the fact that it's like there's no reason for anyone to be there like no one has to ever have to be there you know what i mean like if someone shows up to a tumble gym it's because they want to come in and better themselves or they just want to have a good time or they want some floor time or some gym space that they might not be offered at their facility at that point in time um it's something that i've been teaching rec classes and and teaching lessons and teaching at all these gyms for so long and there's just no space for people to just come in even if they're part of a program 
and just kind of like do their thing. So that's one of the first things that I thought is there's got to be a need for it because I would have used it. And I have a group of friends that always ask me or joke about it, you know, or or kids that age out of cheer and they still just want to kind of maintain some skills for like satisfaction. So um, but again, that's where the entry level comes into it. There's a lot of kids that just don't know where to go if they want to try it. You know, if you go into a cheer gym, it's almost like you feel like you need to be a part of the program to be there. Or if you decide that you don't want to cheer, you want to take a year off, which is like a real deal thing now. Um, there's a lot of kids that just want to maintain their skills and have a space to go use. So um, as far as structuring it and stuff it's kind of like it structured itself it just was like hey make sure you have some openings for people to come and use the space and make sure you have some classes going for people to enroll in and it's kind of from there you know I kind of had a clientele of people I was working with currently that kind of believed in what we were doing so it wasn't too hard for us to transition into it but I will say the funny thing is like it's what's it like it's fun like people don't have to be there it's it's genius like it's pressure free like you go in there you get to do whatever you want to do you know and it's just a good outlet from all the other gyms around you right I think so. Uh, there's Wake Forest All Stars. You know, there's there's Rockstar. Uh, Clayton Shockers is in the area. Uh, there's a lot of other people that use it. Uh, there's trickers and mm-hmm. not necessarily parkour. It's like the guys that are actually in there just training specifically yeah. that just need floor space. And it's funny because uh, my buddy was teaching a class the other day, and then there was some girls in the class, some younger girls, and the guy was doing his his trick and moves, and his friends were recording them and. The guy was like, no, 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 it's okay. You know, it's, it's kind of just like, uh, I don't remember what he said. He said something like athletic ballet or something like that or, or sideways ballet, or it was really cool the way he explained it to her. It's, it's like, it's still a craft for him. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's in control. He's not going to hit them. You know, he'll keep his own space. So, uh, there's a, a bit, a big community of people that would love to just trickers are an incredibly underserved community. Absolutely. We have a huge group of trickers that come to our facility in mm-hmm. Oregon and it just kind of happened randomly. They were just looking for a space. They started coming to open gyms and we were welcoming. And and now they're the bulk of our guys and gals that come to open gym, like 30, 40 people every time we have open gym. And they gym. live for it. They and live, they live for it. And they move in bigger quotes, man. There's yeah. There's a lot more of them. Some yeah, of the guys that come, insane. yeah, they, they drive from what they 45 minutes out. Like I know. That. Yeah, yeah, I respect them like a it's ton. It's a different axis of spinning. So it's, it's, these guys it's are like side arabianing off of one leg then like a double corkscrew to another skill and then you think about our injuries we have and they're all off one foot like you just said and and but if you think about it they just have iron ankles man so but it's like martial arts sponsored by red bull it's red bull sponsored so but it's another outlet yeah absolutely i see i actually didn't know that yeah red bull athletes the trick mainly pain is one of them um there's a couple other guys he's like man i know that yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you're not in TNT, there really isn't uh, tumbling TNT only. Tumbling, uh, tumbling tramp is that tumbling no. and trampoline? Yeah, yeah, tumbling tramp, which is a big thing. That's which like is an actual big. rod floor. Mm-hmm. Those people are impressive too, but that's all whip, whip, double back, whip, whip, whip. I have a few kids that uh, whose parents have asked if we could move into a space kind of like that, and. I would love to, but the way that the the gym is structured now, we just don't have that amount of length of rod floor. But with the amount of coaching I've 
been through and, you know, the amount of athletes that I've worked with that are, you know, to that level, I almost thought about trying to go get certified to do that and just do some power tumbling and, mm-hmm. and train people to do that and have a space for people to train to do that because there's not a lot of places like that at all. So I really would love to get into all aspects of it as far as just boosting a really, really big rec program. You yeah. know what I mean? Recreational tumbling and and kind of just see... I don't know, kind of how many different outlets we can bring into it so that there's a lot more aspects of it than just cheerleading. I'd, I'd mm-hmm. like the acro market. We do a lot of stuff with dancers and girls like that. So um, trying to link up with people like that has made it possible to run just a, a tumble facility. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are just like, we just don't get it. And I've explained it like this, too, from working at like big tier programs and then working at big recreational programs that have a tier team mm-hmm. it's big differences you know mm-hmm. what i mean and rec programs survive off their rec program and they can afford to have a tier team you know what i mean yep and then there's some tier programs that are so big that they just don't need a rec program so um totally two different sides and if you don't work on each side of the market it's hard to understand where you could fit in so right i kind of like knew exactly where i could fit in is kind of the way i'd like to think about <laughs> it so it's been fun. It's been cool, but it's awesome. I mean, that that's how it feels. It's awesome. The kids are good. The kids have fun. If they're not happy with what they've done for the day with the open gym concept, they can just kind of like tap out for the day and then they come back First tomorrow. And just restart. Yeah. yeah. First day. And it's cool because we would have done that too as young tumblers, having the amount of access to the gym that we did right. <clears throat> as guys. And I think that that's like not the guy's secret. <clears throat> it's like any one of those uh, quote unquote gym rat secrets is they just had access to the gym yep. differently and than just anyone grind. else. And they just, just that's all they did. So I've got kids that come in and they might be level Which two. Usually from like eight to 13. Exactly. Like so it's, it's that age yep. bracket. Eight to 13. But it's, but for some kids it's, it's all they know, or it's what they need. Or, or you know, there's like single parents. I, I cater mm-hmm. to a lot of single parents that, uh, they don't have after school care for their kids and they would normally not have any option, but to give them to like a babysitter or something. So, uh, they'll drop them off for the open gym part of the week sessions and they use the gym and at least they're doing something, you know, so it has to be helping them in that aspect. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's been, it's been a really fun startup and a fun concept. I do hope to keep with it. So that no, it's awesome. I think, I, I think it's fun. genius. Well, dude, I, I really do appreciate that. So being the tumbling director at cheer extreme, what does that mean? Like what's a day in the life or a week in the life of Oof. a tumbling director at cheer extreme? Uh, I mean, one of the most storied programs in the industry. Uh, well, I have to tumble every team for at least an hour every day. Um, I don't every team to- every day. Yes, every day. Um, so let's just, for example, I have, let's go, I do a 4.2 Monday from 6.30 to 7.30. Then after that, I'll do open four from 7.30 to 8.30. And then also C4 from 8.30 to 9.30. So that's three teams. And then Tuesday will be Youth Elite. And then I will have Co-Ed Elite. And then maybe, give me another good example, Co-Ed Elite. And then Crush. That's another good example, mm-hmm. Crush. Um Saturdays, I do not work at the gym. Sundays, it's like jam packs. So Sundays is 12 to 3, singer lead. Then it's crush from 3 to 4.30. And then it's quarterly from 4.30 to 7.30. And then I'm, I'm done on Sundays. Um, as far as like the experience of Benetech Extreme, it's, it's not the easiest. I can definitely say that. Um, 
there's got to be some pressure, right? To yeah, I mean they're they're a great program. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a lot of pressure, but it's more pressure coming from the upper management. You know, you just want to make sure that everyone's going to stay pleased. You want to make sure the customers going to stay pleased. Um, I'm the only Tillman director there, so there's more pressure than anything coming from my side of the story. So um, I try to make the best of it. Um, uh, it's kind of it's kind of a touchy situation. <laughs> I'm not trying to get it's, touchy. Uh, I'm just—it's no, very touchy. It's a very touchy situation because like I'm the only one, but it's not like a bad experience or anything. It's just—it's really hard, you know. So it's a big struggle. I can't even imagine having you know, all so, of that I mean, pressure. I mean, we got 285 athletes, and I have to go through all of them. So it's just—it would be nice if I had help, but since I don't have the help, I make the best of the scenario. Um, yeah. So you're just that good. Is really what you're saying. <laughs> He's that, honestly that good. Uh, yeah, I, I swear to I feel like I've seen you coach, so he gets it done. It's been like that for. It's just, it's just rough, man. It's, it's been just, like that. It's different. It's a touchy situation. Like well, that. but it's nothing like I'm. I'm happy where I am. Don't get me wrong. I'm definitely happy where I am. It's just it gets a little hard. If you ever been to Kernersville, you know we don't have the biggest facility. Like I only have five panels to work with at the spring floor. I have a tumble track. I have an air track. I have two wedges and three panel mats. So then. Yeah, we have to work around all that, and then we don't have one spring forward to work off of. That's crazy. Yeah, so. But you get to see the amount of tumbling that comes out of the gym. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I mean, borderline, no one has any excuses. Yeah, none. Tumble coach at your stream. Yes, it's fun, but it's very, 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 very stressful. Right, yeah, that's that pressure. Just like making sure that your tumble scores are top notch, but just making sure everyone's pleased, you know? Being the only person. Right. Yeah. I can't even imagine. And then as far as like tumble lessons, like I used to get 20 text messages a day. And then until he told me to like make an app that I was using or that he was using, sorry, mm-hmm. booked in, um, did it change everything? You know, like I literally, I don't mean to put it out there, but I make what, at least over $280 a day, maybe 300 on a good day. Doing uh, privates. So absolutely. Just like, and it's nonstop. And I never have to worry about my schedule anymore, you know? So just check it makes the it app. a little bit easier as far as being like the only tumble coach, but it's rough. It's, it's rough, but it's fun. That answered my, I was going to say yeah. with all those teams, do you even have time to do private instruction? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I do. I do private lessons from anywhere from 2.30 till 6.30 and then I start, I'll start tumbling. Okay. Yeah. And do you, uh, there's a lot do, of homeschoolers. I was going to say, I'm sure things like that. Yeah. To make the day easier. When you do uh, one-on-one instruction, do you do, is it you and one athlete or do you semi-private? I or? usually typically like to do one-on-one lessons just because, I mean, if, if I do dual privates, they just have to be working on the same skills. Typically. Mm-hmm. But one-on-one is just like my favorite, 30 minutes. If you want to do an hour, that probably means like you really, really, really need my help or we need to do like some breakdown on so much yeah. and all that good stuff. But typically just an hour, just because it's only me. I, when so. I don't, I don't know what Frank's opinion is. I don't like doing more than 30 minutes for a lesson. I feel like only if, if it's necessary, like if you really, really need help or like, right. I said, like you just need like just some really good drills for shaping. It's going right. to take more than 30 minutes. Right. Absolutely. I'll do an hour, but I'm by myself. So I just have to fit everyone in. So it's yeah. 30 minutes for me. I just feel like, I mean, I like to tumble. If you're paying me for a lesson, we're mm-hmm. going to, we're going to work. We're going to warm up and we're going to go. Absolutely. And after after about 30 minutes of hard tumbling, usually I'll get the girls to come in five to 10 minutes early, stretch out, stretch out. Yep. And then I make them run for two minutes and then we start from there. I think that's, that's a helpful thing too, is making sure that you have time for them. Cause I mean, if you were to just get your 30 minute lesson, get them in, let them stretch, warm them up properly. You're already 
12 minutes into the lesson right. if you did it properly. You know what I mean? So I like, again, and, and it's not to say anything extra, I like the concept of where we are now because I have a workout board that I have the girls come in to do. I have like a warm up and a cool down board. And I'm like, please just come before your lesson, do this. By the time you've done that, you could have even, you know, I trust a lot of my athletes I work with. It, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, my regular scheduled athletes. So I trust them to do straight jumps and cartwheels and round offs and round off rebounds to get started. So we can really like, maximize the 30 minutes we have now i do have athletes that um have had issues in the past you know what i mean as far as like mental issues and things that we've worked past and they like the confidence of having more time spent with me mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah and i know that they're signing up for longer time not just to do more tumble passes but just to spend the time talking things out yeah and telling me where totally. they are currently in life you know yeah. what i mean and i think that's very very important because our job's not just like grind out and get the skills. It's also like to be a decent role model for some mm -hmm. people or someone just to talk to, or, uh, I don't know. Like I, I know, I know who I am for a lot of people and it's, it's like comforting to know that the hour that they get to spend with me is more than just a 30 minute jammed in private lesson. Right. Yeah. So that makes sense. It's, it's cool. So it's really cool. So it really does vary on the situation. Now, if I really, I'm the same as you guys, like there's, there's some times that I just don't, I don't need the background stories. I don't need to know why you have a mental block. I just need to get the work done as far as like, I, I get satisfaction, not from the paycheck. And I've used this for a long time. It, it's more about, uh, I know I'm going to get scheduled at some point. The paycheck will come. Matter of fact, we all work in the same industry. Once the private lesson starts, you get paid, whether you get the skill or not, right. or whether it's a good lesson or not. So I really get the payment from watching someone feel like they got something from our time, whether it's just, you know, a little bit better technique, whether, you know, they're happier with the ending result, if they feel a little bit more confidence to do it at practice, if it's a brand new skill, I love watching their face light up and just sharing that moment with them. It, it, right. It's much more valuable than the money will be. So, cause I figure the money will come either way if you're at work. So, so you brought up the mental game. Oh God. I was literally just about to say, yeah. Oh God. Blocks. Yeah, man. And like typically with mental blocks, we do not allow them to do to our tumble classes at church stream. They have to do one-on-one -on -one lessons with the tumble coach just because it gets contagious. Like mm -hmm. I've been in tumble classes where I've literally watched a girl do round up back in spring block three times. And there's been two other girls behind her do the exact same thing <laughs> just because the vibe is just, it gets so contagious. I don't know the physics behind it or why it happens, but I can agree it with it happens, you know? I can um, definitely agree. I just, I personally think it's smarter just to do one-on-one -on -one lessons, you know, just so there's no pressure. You know, mm -hmm. it's almost like a restart. Just refresh their mind on tumbling. Um, I typically get more mental blocks girls coming from different gyms that work with other coaches. Other coaches may have pressured them to get spotted on skills they may not have been ready for or they've been dropped on a skill they've previously been working on. Typically, it's more like a back tuck or a mm -hmm. layout, you know, mm -hmm. so... Um, I don't know, man. Mental blocks are just tough depending on the kid. You know? Totally. It's I think they vary a lot. It's 80% mental and 20% physical from, from someone. So. so what's your perspective on working with mental athletes? Um, I, I mean, I think you have to tailor it for each kid personally because um, they all have them for different reasons. You know, parent pressure or coach pressure or previous bad experience. Mm -hmm. um, I think you can do a lot of work on the front end mm -hmm. with your athletes in terms of training them to be mentally strong mm -hmm. um, to hopefully avoid those kind of situations. I don't necessarily have the same rule in my program of if you're blocked, you can't do classes. Cause I've actually found kids that 
tumble horribly in privates, but actually do better in a group in setting. a group and they're not, it's not so focused on them. They, they thrive a little more. They're the kids who come to open gym and tumble, tumble, tumble. And then one-on-one are like <gasps> stressed out and, Oh, I messed up. And now they're mom's watching. Or yeah. Whatnot, they're so afraid of that mean? failure. I feel like failure is the biggest, one of the biggest fears that I encounter with kids is like, I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. See, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I play a lot of, I play a lot of mental games with my athletes. Like we're doing summer camps and stuff right now. When you're at the gym with them from eight in the morning until five in the afternoon, kind of just like hanging out, you can't ever expect them to tumble the whole time. So we've got some downtime every once in a while. And I use a bunch of different creative things that you can come up with, but a lot of it is like verbal instruction. And I've joked for the longest time. I think that uh, if a gym that was running like a recreational program or something like that, or and I'll go back to that in just a second, but something like that, they should have a tumble class where they sit and learn and talk and, and not feel like that the whole time they need to be on the floor just doing handstands or going up and down their lines and conditioning themselves. So uh, I feel like in my summer camps, I can sit them down and we can actually like talk about experiences. And one of the things that I use, one of the like mental drills, if you want to say, uh, is I always challenge them to tell me one thing besides fear or something that doesn't stem from some type of fear at why they're not better athletes or better tumblers or, or why they haven't gotten the next skill or why they aren't progressing. And, and the excuses or the things they come up with, it's always some, some stem of this fear, you know, or even you said pressure. And I think that's a good one that someone could have used against me and said, you know, the pressure of feeling like I've got to make my mom happy, but that is just another fear, you know, of disappointment or failure, Mm -hmm. like you said. So the fear of hurting yourself or breaking your leg or some girls like, you know, I don't want to get taken out of the routine or, but it's all fears, you know? So I spend a lot of time talking to them and trying to like, let them know that like these fears aren't really real until it's happened to you. So it's like, you can't just, right. You can't dwell on somebody else. Well, Sarah got took off the team because of that that was Sarah. You know what I mean? That didn't happen to you. It's not your experience, you know? So I try to coach experiences and like, don't like shut yourself down because of that contagious friend. You know what I'm saying? That's blocking. First of all, some mental blocks is also just admitting to the fact that you're just scared. scared. Yeah. Yep. It's like you're afraid. You just have to admit to it. You know? it, it just, I'm telling it, you, you treat it like it's a problem because like it, it is a problem. problem. And it, and it, and it causes them to be a mental block because you're not mentally challenged. It doesn't nope. make sense. No, nope. you just, and the block just, is yeah, not yeah, physical because it's, it's experience. Yep. You know, so that's what I, that's like I said, that's what I do a lot of with. It's just previous coaches doing something they probably had no idea of doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so. But a lot of it, so I would say. Though, it really does suck for that. It does. But the self-doubt, too, is there because that is the other battle. Like, I don't feel, especially being not self-taught, but, you know, not having a personal coach that always pushed for me. You know what I mean? If I had certain skills that I wanted to get, it was like. Either you are or you aren't going to do it. So and I think some tumble coaches need to stop using that terminology because me personally, I don't think I've ever went through that as a tumbler. And if I did have a problem, I never was like, I have a mental block, you know, like I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. I, so I, I hate like, it. Yeah. I actually you hate know, the like, term. You life together, you know? like, I, I think like, it okay. does define things. Well, it puts it in a box for people, but I've never been a big fan. You know, kids will be like, I have a mental block. I'm like, that's not, it's not a thing. Like you're, you're scared of a skill or you're there's something else. It's not a mental block, you know, but, Mm -hmm. um, and that comes from when, as a gymnast, I was terrified of high bar terrified. Mm -hmm. I 
I essentially quit gymnastics because I was too scared of it. But it's but, like you chose not to perform at it because of your fear. Be, but I had a really bad feel? coach okay. who scared me and okay. I saw a guy lock his grips and wrap twice and shatter his forearm when I was like one year into gymnastics. And I think that once I started to get to those skills, I got nervous. And then having a coach who was literally threatening to tear me off the high bar if I didn't do what I was supposed to do, mm -hmm. those things built kind of fear and yeah but for but see trust also trust huge, trust right? i was going to say yeah the trust between you and the person you're working with is is ridiculous so going back to these like specific athletes i can think of is i have athletes that have hurt themselves severely you know um and they wear you know immobilizers to the day like as far as a leg brace and those are the ones that want to spend a little extra time with you, even yep. though they know they've got yeah. it. You know what I mean? So, uh, worth it to me, worth it to me. It's worth it to the parents, um, catering to those clients, but to bounce back to the idea of the mental blocks. And it's really funny. I've always kind of looked at it like this too, being on the more of the recreational side. So even saying all the years that I spent at cheer extreme, I spent a lot of the time on the recreational side, doing like the all-star tumbling portion of things and then doing the recreational tumbling. So, I noticed the differences between things. If I was teaching a regular recreational class, entry-level tumbling or kids that were working for a tuck because they played soccer and they wanted to do a tuck if they scored a goal, yeah. you know what I mean? Kids that were interested. So those kids, when they would come in, they never, ever, ever had a mental block. And I could explain this to people because if you don't know how to do the backflip, it's not a mental block. You just haven't learned it yet. So yep. you're allowed to be afraid. You're allowed to make mistakes. Now, if someone has a perfect back handspring, but can't do it unless you're standing there, that's like one of those moments, you know what I'm saying? And that's the stuff that, that troubles us as coaches, because I don't know that that's a mental block. I think it's a decision that you're not willing to make. And there's something that we have to figure out for you to be able to make those decisions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. Because if the physical ability is there and all you're really doing is like pushing the, the magic button, you know? But these kids that have never witnessed that stuff, so going back to the contagious factor, kids in recreational classes don't acquire mental blocks. They just have fear. And it's like they have fears of what they know and what they see or what's going on. So as kids that were in the cheerleading program would join a recreational class with their problems kids would be like, well, what is she doing? Like, what, what is she afraid of? You know, it is something you see and it is something that you are not even acknowledged to know until you're exposed to it. So the exposure of, I've never, I've honestly never thought about the fact that like a rec kid doesn't block they because don't. they don't have There's any nothing. pressure, right? There's, There's pressure. It, I, I'm doing this because I want to do this, right? Back to the open gym concept. Yeah. I don't have mental kits unless right. I'm rehabbing them from cheerleading, right. which is really, really easy because with, you know, if you think about it like this, um, an open gym is the name of the facility. And I use that very, very lightly. But the funny thing is now everybody calls it the OG. So it's like a lot more gangster than it was ever <laughs> like intended to be. But uh, open gym was the concept that like on Friday night, you used to wait for your gym to be like five bucks, 10 bucks, yep. drop us off, yeah, open gym. Do. Let's go hang out two hours. And uh, that's kind of what stuck out in my head is that that always made people feel welcome and you could just come in and like have a good time and there was no pressure. So like I said, there's not mental kids that are just starting. There is kids that are rehabbing themselves. And I even like to keep that at a light speed, you know, like yeah. going back to like, if you want to do lessons or something, or they normally come in for lessons and then they work themselves into the open gym part. Yeah. But like you said, some of those kids really thrive in the open gym aspect because they got friends or peers that have the same problems. So for me at the end of the day, they've just got to decide that they want to do it more than they're afraid of it. 
decisions. Yeah. And, and it just comes down to how bad do you want it? And, and with, with competitive cheer, it becomes about like, okay, I need it for my team. I need it for the score. I need it for this. And Sarah's I always try to tell spot. kids, I'm like, Hey, like just get back to having fun. When you're having fun tumbling, you could do great. So just get back to having fun. Like, are you having fun right now? Round off rebound, round off rebound or round of handspring rebound or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm stressed. Okay. Well, let's have fun. Like literally I'll, we'll go freaking throw water balloons. I don't care. Let's like mm-hmm. laugh and have a good time. And then we'll try and throw some tumbling. Yeah. But I think that's the fairy tale part of things. And I think that that's like the, that's the, the fix that we wish would work for everybody. Um, it doesn't always work. No, I don't think it does. I mean, communication sometimes isn't enough. And then like sometimes a uh, good cop, bad cop isn't enough. Sometimes, you know, uh, I think that it is a hundred percent a decision that they've got to be willing to make. And, and you kind of either have to help them figure out the root of the problem. I've had to talk kids into telling me that like, you know, we'll be in a lesson and they'll be like blocking and stuff. And I'll look at them and I'll say, Hey, I mean, you're not going to do this. Are you? You're, you're, you just aren't like, I know mom's watching, whatever. She can't hear us. If that's helpful to you, you know, uh, you're not going to throw this, are you? It doesn't matter how many times. And they're just like, no, you know, I've had them tell me that because they know what comes with it. Like if they walk into a practice and their coach knows they've got the skill back or whatnot, they're okay, let me see it. Yeah. Oh my God. They're afraid I'm going to relay the message to their coach. And they, you know, they, they use it against us. And it's, it's gotten to a point where it's not just a mental block. You know, the funny thing is, and I know we're like chatting on about this stuff, but I had this little series I was working on and nobody out there better bite my stuff for real. But it was like called the permanent private thing that I was working on. And I I wrote these chapters of these things. That's trademarked. You can't take it. You cannot take it. It's so good, bro. Because like, I think, you know, and I won't even elaborate until it's time. I'll push this one day. It's such good bait, you know, but, uh, the concept was, um, these things we talk about in my lessons, I feel like I'll do the same lesson with the kid. I won't see them for three to six months. They'll go back to their program. I do privates with all these other kids. You know, I used to a lot, like in the walls of this other establishment, they would come to the belly of the beast and work with me and then just go back to their gym again. They had no problem with it, you know? Um, So I would work with them and I would say these things to them, just like quick stuff. And I guess it was just enough for them to move to the next step or to get over their current hump. And then they would come back to me a couple months later. So not saying that I wanted to sell the idea of these lessons to them, but like if somebody had something from you or something that meant something or like kind of like a permanent private. So it was like a, it's going to be like a series of little books, I guess you okay. could say, that I was going to give, not give, but you know, you could yep. put out as like a, a podcast, yeah. if, it, if it's the verbal section of it, or if it was just the actual literature, if you could write it out so that they could read it and just be like, you know, that's all it is, you know, because it, it is a big mental game, you know, 100%. so I worked on all that stuff. But the funny part of the story, the only reason I brought it up is I was reading it to my girlfriend one night, we were in a hotel and I was like on my phone and I was clicking it and I was reading it upside down. You know, you're always like extra clumsy. And I like pressed something and pressed something and deleted my whole first introductory chapter. So it was very, 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 very tough. You know, I had like all seven hurts. Oh, it was milestones, bro. But then, you know, she, of course, the person she is, is like trying to make great light of the situation. And she was kind of just like, you know, it it was meant to be. And then when you're ready to finish out your whole thing, because I was like, you know, chopping pieces up still, she was like, you can just rewrite the intro. So either way, that's a good way to look at it. But that's frustrating. 
Oh, yeah, bro. That's why you guys have no material right now for the permanent privates trademark. <laughs> open gym. <laughs> but, yeah, recreational tumbling is definitely the patch to uh, some of that mental stuff. So yeah. that, that's that's what it's like. That's why I'm offering cheerleading again. I think I'm trying to offer kids to love cheerleading again. So with that being said, like, uh, I, I know that that's, that's what all of us really want from our athletes is for them to enjoy coming to tumble with us instead of being like, hey, this is a task. My mom is kind of bringing me here, forcing me to come. So trying to make it fun for all of us again. So opinion question. Oh, gosh. Oh, my mild one. I have one hard one after this. Whoa. Um, so mild opinion question is um, spotting. This is the mild one. What uh, opinions on on spotting just in general and how much to do it, how little? What and maybe what um, your personal approach is? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's different. And I think I we're going to get two different. What, we're going to get two different opinions too because I we're talking recreational an amateur, and all star. I, I think as an amateur, spotting is very necessary. Mm-hmm. It's it's very necessary. I used to spot a lot when I was younger, but when I was younger, and I as I got older and as I watched other coaches and I, I just learned and I experienced and I sat back. Spotting is definitely not the key to progression. It only just keeps a kid wanting you more and more and more and more. And they, they just never really get anywhere, you know? So, I mean, like I said, as an amateur coach, and if you're trying to pick up lessons and if you're trying to get a good relationship with the kid, then I think spotting is a great way to go. But if you're trying to actually progress the kid and like lead them to the right direction, make them a better tumbler, spotting is just like, not okay. It's like a big no, no. Um, like it is, bro. I agree. No, don't get me wrong. I totally agree. For yes, I totally agree in that aspect. It just doesn't teach you. I mean, like because at some point you have to learn how to fall. Like that's what actually mm-hmm. tumbling is. Yes. Like, if you look at the definition in the dictionary, it's, it's falling. It's a sudden fall. So if you're spotting that, then you're never going to teach them that air awareness, or you're never going to teach them how to react from that fall when they do it by themselves. And then we're back to the the mental block stage, you know. So I, I was going to say, I feel like the the idea. And the art of spotting has changed so much because spotting really did used to be like, and I, it always made me laugh before when you would watch someone try to spot, they didn't really touch you. They kind of just made sure that if you were going to freak out, that they could soften the blow for you, I guess, is what was always understood in my mind. Mm -hmm. Like spotters and gymnastics, they're still out there standing by the bar just in case you peel off or something like that. But now it's gotten to the point where I don't know and I'm, I'm jealous and, and, and like not jealous. I'm guilty of this uh, because I used to try to see how well I could spot someone to make sure that I had control over their tumbling if something was going to go wrong. So it was like a game almost yeah. as, a, as a tumbling coach. So Yeah, uh, I mean, it's fun to do that. But yeah, like spot best 2013. Like I've been there, done that. Yeah, that's exactly what like I'm saying. It's, it doesn't teach them anything. But that's, it's, that's, it's but that's something you have to learn yes. as you get older in coaching. Yes. Like I said, when you're younger, like it's, it's, it's awesome to learn how to spot. Like spot as much as you possibly can. But then you're going to learn how to take that step away and then do everything a little bit more just verbally. You know? It's coaching, yeah. yeah. Drills, verbal. Well, drills equals skills. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's Everybody understands that. As a younger coach. No. I think that's why it comes back to what you said earlier about these top notch guys sending out all these videos, you know? So it's for the younger generation to pick up on. You know, I, I just, and I, it's part of the reason I bring it up. I, I work with a lot of gyms from around the country. Talk to, I have a lot of friends that own gyms and you see on ASGA all the time, you know, people post looking for elite tumbling coach must be able to spot fulls and double fulls, both right and left and do all these different things. And I'm looking at that going, 
I don't ever spot. I mean, a, a full and a double full. The only thing I'll do is spot, like I'll catch. Mm-hmm. I'll be there to make sure you don't over rotate and, you know, bundle your noggin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you can't do those skills on a tumble track, on a rod floor by yourself, you don't have that control. I'm not, I'm not spotting you on the ground. Cause I can make anyone do a full. Yeah. I can force you to do it, but mm-hmm. that's not helping you get better. I, okay. But going back to, I want to say the more recreational side of things, like when you don't have the exposure yeah. and you don't have someone to like use as a mental, uh, I, I was a visual learner. Like so watch this person do exactly, this skill. Yeah. Or, or the exposure. That's okay. Going back to this being, being at these bigger gyms made it so fun to watch other kids, see other kids do stuff so that their accelerated want to get better was real, you yeah. know? And it is that age bracket we talked about, but it's, it's the same concept. Like if you were, if you're all rec program, okay, and you don't got these crazy skills in the door all the time, then you could use um, spotting as an accelerated feeling for someone. Okay. Since they yeah. can't. It's kinesthetic learning. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. You've that got a sense. few different ways of learning. So I, I think one of the best or the best benefits is like if if you're not going to spot, okay, you're you're really not going to be a spotter. You have to have like a foam pit and a resi mat and a rod floor and the progressive steps to make it. So you're going to give them a real chance at feeling it, not just like, you know, go and, for it and see what you and get. And maybe I'm, I mean, uh, pampered cause I have all of those things. I don't have a block pit, but I got resi. I've got, got tumble track and a resi. I've got yes. all those rods and a resi. I'm being bougie cause I named all those things. Cause I, I actually have those things. Necessity. I think there's just, there just has to be a cap off if you're going to spot and this is coming from a person that only works on five panels. So, you know, like I used to have to spot everything, but then Absolutely. I was noticing it was taken away from height. It was taken away from shaping, all mm-hmm. types of different things, you know? So if you go back away from it, totally try it. But if you feel like you have to spot it, then I mean, you do spotting you is a couple time technique. You spot a couple, you spot a couple times. Yes. And after you've done it a couple times, you take the bandaid off and you yes. see what's left. And then yes. like, if there's still more shaping and fixing to do, you can reapply based on your discretion. Yes. But I don't like when I've put my hands on an athlete for a little bit and we've acquired this comfortable feel like they trust me, like I'm not going to let them fall. And then they start to use me as a crutch. Mm-hmm. So that's where my balance between I'll spot someone if I want to, but if they ask me for it, it's a lot harder to get me to want to. Does that kind of make yep. sense? Yeah. Cause you want them to trust themselves. We're doing this together. So if yeah. I ask you to go for it and you ask me for a spot, we've lost some type of connection. That Does makes, that kind of make yeah. sense? It yeah. should all be based on this trust that you talked about. So I don't think that I ever want to instill the idea that I'm going to ask someone to try something uh, for my personal gain because I always use the, I did all this, you know, I already had to learn all this stuff. I kind of have these skills. So, and again, going back to the open gym concept, when the kids come into work and they're like, Hey, will you help me with this? I'm like, yeah, I'll help you with it. And if I notice they start to get frustrated, it's not that I just stop helping them like cold Turkey. I ease off and I'm just like, not as, I don't, I don't feel pressured to have to pressure them into getting the skill. If we get that edging point and you're getting too frustrated, then, you know, so you back off of it. It's totally one of those motions too, that goes with it. So, um, but spotting, I definitely want to feel like I'm in control of the spotting situation. I don't want an athlete to feel like they have to ask me to spot them. So that makes sense. I will spot though. I love it. I love to spot a whip Arabian or one and a half step yeah, out. I think, or, uh, yeah. There are definitely some things that it's fun. I don't know. I, I, I probably sound like I'm like a never spot. I spot people, yeah. but I, I'm a limited spot person. I yeah, want you to learn. Yeah. I want you to learn to do it yourself. Cause some people are really are. They're just kind of learners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
some people are auditory and some people are visual. Yeah. I mean, there's I'm nothing better. Visual. Yeah, I'm a very visual learner. I see it and I can do it, you know, and some other kids are like that. Sometimes that's why I have to tumble to demonstrate that. But see, this is the, another thing, and I'll go with this. I'm a visual coach, too. So if I'm spotting someone being a, I would like to think that I'm a, a decent coach, I'm not going to drop you because that's awful. So I don't really get to see your disadvantage. I just correct it out yep. of like basic habit, yep. right? So if you're spotting a fool and someone's not going high enough, you subconsciously are doing things and probably physically doing them to make it better. So one of the things that I do is I'm a really visual coach. So when I go to coach someone on something and they're like, well, you know, my old coach said I do this and this isn't good. I get a lot of like referral lessons or something like that. Okay. Best way to put it. So it'll be someone that's shaped a good tumbler and I love it because they've done great, great foundation work, but they come to me and they want to like explain to me what their tumbling looks like. I'm like, just stop, just show me like, they're like, this right. is what's wrong with, let me see where we're at. just let me see right. it. So then when I'm doing things like working a full, and we talked about some of the drills, I coach better if I can watch your product and help you make minor adjustments versus like if I'm out there trying to spot it or if we're doing it on an unrealistic surface, you right. know, so visual coaching is just as good as visual learning, which is more of the reason for none of us to spot, I guess, is what we're all saying. So, <laughs> but I agree with both ends of it. Yeah. I mean, you got to be able to spot something. You got to be able to step in. Yeah, you got to be versatile. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. If you I mean, think for the most part, though, if you can spot a pretty solid layout, then you should be able to spot a full. You should. And then... I mean, doubles are just a little bit more skeptical, but at least a full, at least a full. I don't think you should be spawning doubles anymore at all. That's just my personal opinion. If it's fun, though. If you're throwing and bumping it's doubles, fun. then... I like it. I, I mean, back I, when I was, I, I could do it. Don't back when wrong. I was young, I used to, I, it was like that competition, like how yeah, hard can yeah, I bump this to like yeah. make this double be huge, you know, but that's not helping the athlete at all. It's, it's not, fun. It's, it's not. I think that's just it's like partner studying. And it goes back to just learning how to be a good coach when you're younger. I think it's what you do as a, a younger coach is you just put your hands on everything. You learn how to spot it. So you say you've got it. And then. It's just like tumble skills. Yeah, I'm jealous of these young coaches coming up now though. Like, so I have a young coach, Ahmed, you met him last mm -hmm. year. He's actually now he's at another camp that I sent him to and he's like doing tumbling at this other camp. He was supposed to be here just kind of helping out, but he's a station instructor at another camp. That's pretty cool. And this kid came up, literally came in our program without a back handspring and he can, he can really tumble now. I mean, he's very, very good. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so jealous because he's coming up. He's 18 years old mm -hmm. and he has all these amazing coaches that are putting out stuff on social media. Like he's learning constantly. We came up. I mean, I, I grew up in Oregon. Okay. I did gymnastics in Oregon. There you I go. cheered at university of Oregon. I literally figured all this out like by myself until I started meeting some great people in the industry later in life. But I look back at like 19 year old tumbling coach, Dan, and I'm like, Oh bro, like what were you doing? Oh yeah. We all have it. <laughs> I'm so jealous of these young kids now though, the because there's real. so like well, we're talking about like, it. He's a sponge. He you know, is. So that there's some of them that just do it just for the fame just for the cloud and for the social media. Yep. You know, you have some kids that travel all summer doing what we would like to do. And they're, they don't even appreciate it. Yeah. That's the funny thing. To teach level one, level two, or 
it's not even it's not even that it's it's just it's because of uh the social status of it i've never been one of those like, like, like not like a celebrity exactly you know, you don't get the same club as or immediately affiliated you know right. i've coached some of the best athletes and i still hang out with some of the the, so, the most to me more power to the kids like i'm there exactly like, you keep doing what you're doing yeah keep learning as but being a good time you're a good coach exactly you know like and that's kind of what you're saying too there's like these kids that go out that's something i had to learn i was a phenomenal time but it doesn't mean i could coach you know yeah Yeah. there's a lot of a lot of different tunnel clinics i had to go to a lot of different instructors i had to go through i had to listen fall back a little bit you know and it humbles you you have i was humbling yourself is the best thing you can do as a coach yep because you have to take off your your competitive edge. Because I was just like any one of the old, not everyone new athletes. Every, everyone everyone, everyone wants to be the best. You absolutely. know what I mean? And uh, you do, you do everything you can to uh, to be the best version of yourself. Everything is better with age, man. You know, just like in order to create a top tier tumbler, it starts with just basic level one and two tumbling. Yep, entry level tumbling. You dumb yourself down for that. That's when you will become. You have to go all the way. You have to go all the way with it, though, because if oh, you, absolutely, absolutely. that's what you strive for. You have to get all the way up, and you have to coach girls that throw toe fulls, and you have to coach girls that do two to whip doubles, one to whip doubles, standing one to doubles. You have to coach girls if that's what if that's what you've been exposed to. You have to meet the top level of your exposure. It yes. goes back to the tumblers. If you if you see it and you're around it, you want to get that good. So coaching around people like Dan was a great example. Um, other Dan, we have a, a guy named not Dan that we coach with. Not, not well. This is our first interaction together, yeah, which is yeah. great. I mean, it's been awesome. Um, but one of the guys that I kind of looked up to as a coach, uh, I got to watch him work with some of the best athletes, and it's like the exposure of me seeing him do that and the way he did it is is exactly why you have to continue to work for yourself and to try to not trump it, but at least match it. You know, some people work towards the trumping part. And I think those are the ones that end up doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. So I didn't ever want to be him or be better than him. I just wanted to be like as good, you know what I mean? I wanted to hang. I wanted to be able to have that amount of respect or whatnot. So I think that hopefully this person that you've got out doing some clinics now, he's working for respect and he's working to do it the right way. And I believe in that because those are a dime a dozen. Most people just see like the fast life of what it could be. And I don't think that a lot of people are fully invested in being a tumble coach forever. You know, taking, I, I'd see two or three people cry a day. It's like part of the job if, yep. if it's, if it's hard work, you know, so it's, it's <laughs> kind of crazy, fun. right? You know what I mean? And you have to tell people they're wrong all the time. That's not fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're looking Get at you like, I just did the best thing ever. And you're like, so you got a good job, higher, but uh, yeah. It's not that bad. <laughs> Some people like it. My parents used to tell me that all the time. So. That's true. It shapes you into the person you're going to be. Yeah. So, um, so that was the um, easy question, right? That was the easy question. Although I, I think we, this, what normally is the harder question will actually be an easy one. Um, cause I think we've kind of already answered a lot of it, but, um, <clears throat> One thing I've asked everyone, and I'll kind of do each one individually, is uh, if there was one thing that you could snap your fingers and change about the industry, and it could be tumbling or just coaching, whatever, anything in the industry that you could change today, if there is anything, what would it be and and why? For me... I think going back to old school tumbling rules as far as like double doubles and 
sustaining doubles and one to doubles and making all that just like not level seven and incorporating that with level six. Really? And for me personally, the only reason why is I think a lot of kids age out of tumbling nowadays at a young age because they cannot do those skills anymore. Just there's a peak off, you know? So like double whip double is like the highest skill that you can get nowadays. Or like maybe a kick double and then after that there's really nothing else you can do unless you want to go level seven. But then I'm pretty sure there's an age cap off for that as well. You know? So mm-hmm. I personally think when I was younger and when I was sharing, like those tumblers that I had to go against were like probably some of like the best of the best that you'll ever see in your life, you know? And like, if we could incorporate that more and progress that more then I think to me, I think for me, that's what's going to be a brighter future for the industry. Just my personal opinion. I think harder tumbling, harder skills. I think keeping the kids in longer. Okay. Yeah, I feel like they push the envelope with stunts a lot and they've kind of just capped the tumbling or whatnot. So that would definitely be a cool a cool change. I don't even know. I think I think it's a hard question for me because not saying I've tried to get out of the industry, but I think the industry has already changed so much that it would be impossible to say, hey, let's dumb it down or take it back to like it used to be or something like that. Um, because uh, this is like far-fetched, but it's like the way that we are now is we always want bigger and better and bigger and better or... Um, I just, I think if I could change anything or try to ask for change, I don't know. It's like a fairy tale style thing to ask for, but it's like, it doesn't seem as fun for the athletes. And I'm not sure if it is like the, the cap and the tumbling. I'm not sure if it's just the saturated uh, amount of, uh, what are they now? Divisions, you know, there's just so many things. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just really different. Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, you used to trial for cheerleading teams at your local gym and some people wouldn't get a call back. And it's like, now everybody makes the team, you know? And it, I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it just gives you something more to look forward to. It's saturation. Just... It's, it's very saturated right now. So I would like to see it be a little bit more, uh, fun for people to do and and it might be something and if it's if it's something that we want to do as an athletic sport i'd like to see people go harder i'd like to see people really put in the dedication and the work for it so right now pushing harder yeah yeah one of those things that people feel like it can be bought you know just because you're doing five privates a week doesn't mean that you're grinding at your right at your sport you know it means you need a lot of help (laughs) i want to see people get after it so um but more than anything, like I said, I, fairy tale. I just like to see more kids have fun. I see a lot of kids not having the most fun that they should. And it was a fun experience for me. And maybe it's because the tumbling back then, it didn't have to be great. Like I, our last tumbler, when we won UCA Nationals in 2001, had a round off handspring full that basically looked like, you know, full twisting back handspring nowadays. And it was like, it lit the stadium up. Right. I threw a round off tuck or two. You know what I mean? Right. And I did the stand and tuck and we did a little cheer section. It was a lot more cheer back then. I'm with you on that though. I... Um, you know, the fun aspect, my college coach used to always say, Hey, this should be fun. And if it's not fun, we should stop doing it. Yeah. Or this to get rid of non-tumble. Non-tumble. <laughs> it's, it's a disgrace. It's a joke. I think there's something for, I think there's something for everybody. I'm just not sure that that's the, I don't but know. That's why I know they would never change the rules and go back to the old way. Just because that's what keeps kids interested nowadays. You don't have to get too much skills anymore to be a good cheerleader. Yeah. To be a good cheerleader. This is my thing though. But like to be a good cheerleader or to be like. Top tier. You can be top tier. You don't have to have too much skills. That's not fair to say though. I don't, but see, it, it's like no, a respect. Like, no, I know. No, it's not heated. <laughs> like, that's it's the not heated. That the sport's going. That's, but that's the argument for people. And I do get disappointed in my 
athletes that have converted from the fact that like we, I used to train them on double foals and then, right. you know, they'd have mental hiccups. And now these chicks are totally invested in just trying out for like a non-tumble team. And I'm like, when did you decide to stop being a full potential yeah. athlete? You I'm, know? I'm not a big fan. I've already said it on another podcast. I'm not a big fan of non-tumble. I'm not a hater though. So I'm not I a hater. Everybody's I hustle. understand where it's coming from. Yes. I, I but I did have but a really a interesting, man. <laughs> I did have a really interesting. That works when you go to tryouts, unless you have an actual stunt group set there for you, how do you make a t- non-tumble team if you have right. a tumble at tryouts? I don't, it makes no I don't have one. Now, what was your, what was your, well, so I, I, I had an interesting conversation with, uh, Luis Mercia, okay. who is a big stunt guy, travels around the, the world. Um, and my understanding of non-tumble was one of the big pushes was international teams, make it more accessible. Mm-hmm. And he told me that that's actually not accurate, that the problem with international teams is they can't get visas that there and that worlds is only in the U S that there are amazing athletes that can tumble and stunt and are really, really good, but they can't get visas. So they can't come to the U S to compete, leave their country and compete. And that they build their teams based off of who has a visa that wants to do cheerleading. That's crazy. And then they put together a team instead of taking the best athletes. So I don't know if that, and maybe that's not the reason for non-tumble. That's just one of the reasons I've heard talked about a lot. Okay. If that is the reason I would like to see us solve the visa issue or, or getting those international teams being able to compete with their actual high quality athletes over creating a division that. So make it more of a real world sport. Yeah. I was going to say, or make it more of a world sport, right? Yeah. Or, or I don't know. I don't, I'm, I, I think taking away tumbling, it, it's definitely a weird, it's a weird approach. It's like football that you can't pass, but you got, that's how you got all of us into it is letting us tumble yeah, and, and teaching us to tumble and showing us like watching a tumbling routine, even at a level four pace compared to a non tumble level six stunt routine, you know, you got to give them something. And I give credit to the non-tumbling teams. They've done some creative things in one year. I mean, I watched the non-tumbling routines at Worlds last year, and I was like, I enjoyed watching that. Like, And you're athletic. Like, mm-hmm. You did. You threw some hard stunts. But I do love – I love tumbling, and I, I don't like – And that's it. why it's getting so rare to find good tumble coaches because gyms are making non-tumble teams where they don't need tumble coaches anymore. Or if they do, it's just a random – Jordan who cheered on Code Black last year, you know, he's just right. up in the ranks. So I don't know. That's an interesting one. That's a that's probably a loaded question. And I there's some really great programs, but we have in the Northwest, there's normally been two worlds teams, maybe three. There's been three programs that have fielded worlds teams. Now there's like six. Wow. Like worlds teams doubled, but they're all non tumble. Yeah. And I think there is something to say about the kids that are athletic enough to throw world's level tumbling being athletic enough to throw world's level stunts. Like from a, you tend to see those go kind of hand in hand. It's kind of like that 4.2 yeah. where there are some really good 4.2s, but the really good 4.2s, those kids have more than level two tumbling. Sure. But see, and that's another one of those moments in cheerleading where I was like 4.2, like, are you just saying that like the kids that it was like almost when restricted five and things started happening. It's like, as you started adding these extra subdivisions of things, it's kind of just like giving everybody a chance. Everyone makes the team. Everyone gets an opportunity. Everyone gets an opportunity to see this side of cheerleading, which I believe is 
fair to a certain extent Can to give the good. exposure. Let's be honest, it's a good marketing sell It's business. It's all business. It's all business. So when it comes down to it, it's it's clout for the social status of saying, hey, you know, we won worlds again or having another world's trophy or whatnot. If that's what they're chasing or whatever that is the main purpose for, or if it is to really be like, this is where it goes. It's It's like, instead of doing that, couldn't people just push harder for like, if they're trying to give people that deserve a chance to go to Worlds, couldn't they push for people that really deserve a chance to go to Worlds? I don't know if that's being taken the way I would like to say it, but I, I don't want to sound wrong if I say like, we don't push Special Olympics really hard. You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. We'll have like a showing of a team or so at Worlds. That's your abilities program. It's not yeah. like every single gym program. It's like, oh my God, there's this huge like opportunity to win Worlds as a Special Olympics thing, you know? They, they make other divisions for, to give kids chances that might not have ever gotten that chance in another circumstance. And I'm like, they're, they're almost regular kids that just didn't get to that level at cheerleading. Right. So now we give them. Right. And it does make, I mean, I have level, level six athletes that are like, well, what? So I didn't have to get all this. That's exactly. I could have just been on a non-tumble team. I didn't have to grind all the, like, cause the tumbling is the grind. It is. That's the grind. Like if you are going to be an elite tumbler, you're going to go to more than just practice. No, if you're going to, if you're going to be on an elite team, you have to have the tumbling. Does that kind of make sense? So that that's where it comes down to. These are big debates too. Is like, I believe that tumbling will always define your level at cheerleading because they can teach you how to stunt better. It's really, really hard to teach people how to tumble better as we found out in life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless you've got the exposure or the great tumbling coaches, people don't just pop up with double foals and standing mm-hmm. foals and, uh, connectable, competable skills. So, um, you can definitely take a a gymnast and convert them into a cheerleader much faster than trying to get a cheerleader to go score a good floor routine. Yeah. If that makes sense. (laughs) Yes. So I I just, until you ask that gymnast to connect two standing back handsprings to a full. Yeah, that's very true. Their standing tumbling's been on the struggle bus for many years. So the gymnastics community could work on their skills over there. I, I maintain it's beam. Uh, I think it's because you have to have yeah, a higher handspring. Oh, fair enough. It's so you can spot. Length, it's not long and low on the beam. There's I've, like I've never really understood the full archy. effect. Yeah, it's a lot more archy. Big step out, yeah. and I feel like that. And crazy hand placement. But standing tuck. Yeah. Come on, you guys got to feel me there. I mean, standing tuck. Yeah, they could be better at those. They could be lots better at those because you are supposed to use it for the beam. So yes. if your back handspring is that high. Why is your standing top <laughs> level? Like it's just not yeah, there. True. I, we could do, but to say that they do is an exaggeration. There's like, and now I think there's now like 15 athletes that are standing fully on the beam from the U S. Oh, well, I so, need to, I need to get I, with it. I used to have one. Up. Yeah. I don't we think used there's to that do many. For I mean, maybe there's more, I don't follow gymnastics as closely, but I, yeah, for a while I, it was like, I respect yeah, that. Like eight or four years for me. I think, it, for a while, it was like Gabby Butler. She was like the yeah. one. Only one the Olympics coming on. Uh, but, I mean, I know Simone Biles does. She's crazy. That's crazy. Um, well, it's been awesome talking to you guys. You awesome. are actually the first duo I've I've had chat. Um, it's been, been very fun. We've talked for a full hour and ten minutes. That's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. That's really crazy. 
I was worried about the like. I was like, let's knock this out five minutes. Everyone's everyone's always worried, and then we just talk cheerleading and tumbling or whatever. Um, I want to thank you guys. Uh, last thing I would say is, if people, I, I know you mentioned, you know, traveling and doing more of this stuff. If people are interested in getting in touch with you guys. Um, obviously they can always reach out to dream camps. We'll get them in touch with you, but, Absolutely. um, do you guys have, uh, Instagram emails you'd like to give out to anyone listening that might want to reach out and, and pick your brain or potentially bring you out to work with them? Uh, um, you can go ahead. And my email is famous 93.db as in Derek Brown at gmail.com. Um, my Instagram is twist underscore Brown and Facebook is Derek Brown. Awesome. Um, a lot of the stuff that we're working on right now would just be through the, the actual open gym that we're talking about. So open gym concept would be our Facebook page would be open gym RTF or recreational and training facility. It's in Raleigh, North Carolina. You can find all of our email stuff on there. Our email is going to be open gym RTF at gmail.com. Uh, I don't really use social media a lot, but I have one Frank Barnett, uh, underscore, the real question, Frank, is are you going to be ready for when people listen to this and go, I want to franchise out and uh, I want to open oh, an open gym uh, RTF in my hometown? Am I going to be ready? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would love to sit down and talk to anybody about what their plans are. But I, I, my biggest thing is is just making sure that it works good for me first before I... I even promise anybody anything. It, it sounds, it sounds great. I think sometimes, and I, when I talk about it to people, I'm like, man, I would totally do that. And I'm doing it and I'm just hoping it, it works out. So yeah, I would love to franchise with people that have like-minded. I mean, it sounds like it's working. It's going, I mean, we're, yeah. we're a few months in, I mean, it's, it's been like a lifetime in the making, but, uh, I have other projects I've worked on before that kind of started out as a concept that have been, they, they do pretty well now. So I am excited to see if this one continues to follow through. So, well, uh, guys, I really appreciate it. Um, and we're going to let everybody go. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about dream camps or any of our guests, contact us at info at oregondreamcamps.com.